bye week is officially over and we are back on the best podcast available and we're getting you ready for Browns and New England, the Patriots, the undefeated Patriots, the Patriots that are number one in just about every category in the National Football League. A slight undertaking as we get ready for Sunday. One that I think, guys, though, this team is perfect in the fact that they've had two weeks to get ready for this football team. They've been able to watch a lot of tape. They were able to watch the Monday night game. And I think this is this is a team that is primed to make a little run, as we all hoped they would once we got through the tough part of the schedule. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Andrew Gribble to the left of me. Shook is on the right of me today. And we are getting ready for Browns and Patriots. Gentlemen, I hope the bye week was good to you both. It was. It was, yeah, very good. It, this is, uh, on paper, it is a daunting task, Gribble, but I would also say the Patriots, uh, have they played anybody yet? I mean, uh, they played Buffalo, and they got Pittsburgh in week one. They got Pittsburgh in week one with Big Ben, and that was a dominant performance. Correct. Uh, and I think had Big Ben stayed healthy, I think we'd still be talking about the Steelers really missing Antonio Brown, uh, but that's a different discussion. They've also they've uh, this was a stat I just pulled up from for for an article I just wrote. They've already faced three other members of the 2018 draft class. Mayfield will be the fourth. They'll face Lamar, Lamar Jackson next week, so they're going to get all five of them. They've also tossed in a Luke Falk uh, in there, a Daniel Jones. <laughs> so they faced a lot of young quarterbacks, but those particular quarterbacks in the 2018 draft class have been awful against them. Uh, it's something about completing. Far less than 50% of their passes, 336 yards total in three games with eight interceptions. Josh Rosen had one of them. Darnold had four of them. Josh Allen had three of them. I mean, they have just brutalized young quarterbacks, uh, taking advantage of them really in every possible way. Uh, and it was funny because we I think we all talked about this beforehand. Going into that Monday night game, I think we all were rooting for the Patriots because you didn't want to get them angry or, like, woken up by a, <laughs> by a Jets loss. But then the way they played that game, you're just like, oh, my gosh. Like, just a complete domination from start to finish. And they had to pull out loopholes to run the clock down because it was such a dominant performance. I mean, it was it was as thorough of a, of a beatdown as you'll see in the NFL. It looked like a college game. And the Patriots have played that way defensively all season. They It's like they're playing their non-con games every single week and you can only play who's on your schedule right they've taken full advantage of that opportunity and and they are a very very good football team especially on the defensive side of the football they're a good football team when you run down the schedule and you look at you know you don't look at the team but you look just look at the score the final score of every game and you're just like oh my goodness 33 to 3 43 to nothing 30 to 14 the only outlier is 16 to 10 33 to 7, 35 to 14, 33 to nothing. And if you watch that Monday night game, like Gribble just mentioned, whew, I mean, for any football team or any football fan, you sit back and go, oh, my team's got to face that team this week. But there are a couple factors um, that I think, you know, help this Browns team. One, the Patriots are coming on a little bit of a short week here, uh, six days instead of seven. Uh, so it's not super short, but it is a little bit shorter. We know how that can affect your schedule and, and how everything lays out. Uh, we've experienced it twice already this year here. Uh, and also, this is a team that seems to play better when nobody expects them to win. 
They played they played a lot better on Sunday night against the Rams uh, when nobody really expected them to win or were were unsure if they could really have a fighter's chance with all the injuries they were dealing with then. And then they played uh, extremely well against Baltimore, a team that many people thought would run all over the Browns. So, you know, this is a team that likes to hear the naysayers. There are a lot of guys on this team who get motivated by hearing that nobody thinks they're going to win and thinks that they're trash. And from what we've heard so far, a lot of people uh, in the Boston area are sending that message. So, And they have the backing of a team that is and 7-0, that is clearly the best team in football right now, statistically and otherwise. Uh, but they're going to face a team that you know thrives off of such adversity. So we'll see how they handle it this week. I think the, 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 for Browns fans, when you watch this Patriots team, the thing that maybe frustrates you a little bit, three members of that defense that's really good, all former Browns. Uh, on Browns teams that didn't win football games. Right. Two of them were on the 0-16 team. Yeah. Uh, wait, no, we're all, th- all three, right? Shelton was two? Yeah. Shelton. yeah. yeah so Danny yes. Shelton, McCourty, yeah. and Jamie Collins. And of the three, I mean, Jamie Collins is playing at a Pro Bowl, uh, at an all-pro level. I mean, he's, he's all over the field. He's forced two fumbles, three interceptions, a touchdown. The guy's been a maniac. He's making, like, no money for the Patriots. He, he went back there. I'm not saying – he wasn't a bad player for the Browns. He just wasn't this kind of player. They, they, the Patriots, he fits in that system as well as any player uh, on that entire defense, and he's one of the main reasons why this defense has been so good. But it's one, it's something that really goes back to last year when they completely dominated the Rams in the Super Bowl. This defense got better and better as last year went on, and they really didn't have a ton of turnover. And They've got great players at each level and smart players that Belichick just knows how to plug in and, and get the most out of. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, the whole plug-and-play. You know, Freddie was asked about that today. You know, here are guys that maybe didn't play to their total potential when they were here, but immediately put into that system, they look like, as you said, Pro Bowl players. It's not telling them that, that they weren't good enough, but sometimes it's all about the fit. Yeah, he, he takes a lot of teams, outcasts, and, and guys that didn't pan out and just figures out roles for them. It's like Danny Shelton – is not a first-round defensive tackle on the Patriots. He's just got a guy that fills a role and helps them uh, be tough up the middle of their defense. Jamie Collins is not this big marquee signing guy. He's a he's a bargain veteran that you're getting the most out of. And he Jason, leads the team in four and a half Jason sacks. McCourty was a guy that we thought was at the end of his career when he was here, and he's found the fountain of youth alongside of his brother. And I think playing with his brother – elevates his game to another level playing for a winner uh was something he hadn't done at any point in his career until he got to new england so they just find ways to to get the most out of players and that's why when the patriots have these swings and misses on guys like an antonio brown uh you go back with the chad johnson guys like that they they get the benefit of the doubt because of all these success stories that they have on their roster and more importantly not a whole lot of teams scrambling to pick those up because if it doesn't work in new england probably not going to work somewhere. We've actually seen New England serve as the final stop for a, a multitude of players. I believe Chad Ojosinko was one of them. Brandon, it's usually the receiver position. Brandon Lloyd was another one. Um, another guy who's still in the league but was a former Browns defender who didn't hack it in, in New England was Barkevius Mingo, but he was, he fit the mold of the profile of somebody where, oh, former first-round pick. It was a speci- specifically that draft class where they were taking flyers on a ton of those first-round picks. Jonathan Cooper, the guard, was another one uh, where you're like, oh, former first-round pick, very athletic, didn't really hack it as, as an impact player. He'll probably go find a perfect place in New England because, of course, he does. Uh, so it's not it's not foolproof, but 
the success rate over time has allowed them, like you said, to have those swings and misses, to take chances on guys that might not fit. Because overall, if you're going to try and add 10 guys and six of them succeed, you're still you know, considered to be successful. We know how good New England is. We'll hear about it. We'll talk about it a little bit more, I'm sure, as this podcast continues. We'll hear about it all week from people in New England and from people here in our own backyard. But, Gribbs, I got to think it was nice and well-needed for this team maybe to hit the reset button over the last two weeks. Yeah, and I think first off, when you just talk about it from a health front, you, you know now you're getting back Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward. They're full participants in Wednesday's practice. All indications are they're good to go. Whether or not they just get plugged back into the starting lineup remains to be seen, but I would venture to guess at least one of those guys will be starting uh, Sunday in New England, and you lean toward, obviously, Denzel Ward, considering he's a Pro Bowl player. Uh, So you get him back. You get Baker Mayfield back at full strength, who had the Browns had a game last week, he might not have been at full strength. He might have had to go through practice not feeling all that great, and it might have lingered with him. I think we all look back at last year when we think Baker was maybe nursing that ankle injury a little bit after that Chargers game. Sure. Uh, didn't play all that great the next couple of weeks. Uh, came back, rested up, got finally got better, and then started playing better in the second half of the season. So the when, when you hear Baker and some other offensive players talk about that Seahawks game, they're saying some of the same things that they said after the Chiefs game last year, where it's like, we didn't win, we didn't really uh, execute the entire game, but we figured out some things that are working. There, and there's you, some glimpses. There, there's, some, there's some stuff that you can maybe build off of, which is not something you could have said after the 49ers game, and really offensively not really something you could have said after the Rams game. So that that's something where you can get optimistic about, and, and again, defensively, you're as healthy as you're going to get. You're not getting Kirksey back. So this is as healthy as you're going to be. Yeah, you need Demarius. Right. Hopefully Demarius Randall day-to-day didn't practice uh, on Wednesday, and hopefully he practices at least Thursday or Friday and has a chance to play on Sunday. But this is the healthiest his team has been. And, you know, I, I think it's one of those situations where there's also maybe you're not taking anybody lightly, especially after what happened in the Tennessee game. But you have played the gauntlet of your schedule yeah. right now. And, and there's capped something to be this. said. Yeah. 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 It'll be capped by this weekend. Yeah. But it, it's one of those where, okay, we're fully healthy going into this, our toughest game of the year. And after that, there's a really good chance it's going to get a lot easier. I mean, you hope. But you hope. Y- you also hope that they do find some things that, that are working. Uh, like you said, you know, that in, in the Chiefs game last year and the Seahawks game perhaps this year. You know, there's a, there's a potential for that, and you're going to run into an immediate test because you're never going to be able to figure out whether this is going to work against any opponent better than you're going to find out against these Patriots and this defense that has been unbelievable so far. So, you know, you, you hope that you can enter into this game and, and maybe surprise some people. Not saying you come away with a win, but you continue to find some things that are working, maybe start to really lay a little bit of a foundation or a little bit of a path that you can start to follow forward and really get some momentum going downhill because the second half of the season – you know, even if even if you were to approach the next week at two and five, let's say you know you come away with a close loss, but you keep building those things together. The second half of the season, if you go on a run, you can still salvage your record and still make a run at the playoffs. But you need to start, you know, building toward that because it's it's starting to get a little bit late. And then if you come away with a win and, and you surprise the world, then you're even in better shape. So uh, you definitely need to see some indication that they're putting that together for sure, and it's going to be a tough one. By the way, guys, as we tape some breaking news out of New England. What do you got? Josh Gordon will be on the injured reserve. Ah. 
season-ending knee injury for Josh Gordon. So he will not be on the field Sunday. I didn't think that was expected, but he will not even be on the 53-man roster going into Sunday. So, How about that? Breaking news. I remember when we talked about this week one when the, when the Patriots got Antonio Brown. You wondered if either him or Josh Gordon would be there by week eight. It'll be... A no one. It'll well, be the Mohammed Sanu show. Yeah, <laughs> and that obviously would lead you to think that the Patriots they, knew this a few days ago. Yeah, right. And, and they and they get Nikhil Harry back next week. Yes, their first round pick. Yeah, correct. So they got a new receiving core that they're going to be trying to work together. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of an opening for your defense. Maybe you take advantage of that and, and get to Brady a little bit. You know, Miles talked about it today. You got you got to make him see ghosts. That's what he said. I can't imagine you see too much of Sanu though. I, I just no, think it's no. hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to get involved to one of. Maybe you have a small package of plays, but you look back at last year and Golden Tate went, the, went yeah. to the Eagles. It's just hard to make an impact right away on a team like that. Absolutely, it's also very characteristic of a Patriots team and especially a Tom Brady team to take advantage of no-name receivers. I mean, that's where they've made a lot of their money. Yeah, in that 2007 year, they had Randy Moss and Wes Welker, and they were unbelievable. But in the years in between, they've found guys who probably wouldn't do much else anywhere else. And, and this seems to be like the receiving core that at least the Browns are going to face this week. I, I wonder, though, it, there has to be some package they put together for Sanu because they're desperate for wide receiver help. Yeah. Um, and I wonder how tough it is. Shook, I'll pose this to you because you're a former you're a player. You, you played at, at some level uh, of football. How tough is it to prepare for someone? You can watch tape of them all day long, but you're watching tape of them as an Atlanta Falcon. <laughs> you're not mm-hmm. watching them getting balls thrown to them from Tom Brady. Well, I think from a defensive standpoint, like from the Browns' defensive standpoint, I think it's difficult because you it, it's like you know when a cross sport comparison you know when a starting pitcher makes his big league debut and he like comes out of the gate blazing and it's just mowing guys down has like three or four awesome starts and then he comes back to earth because they get a book on him. Well, you start to get a book on a guy as he's a part of an offense if he's a new arrival, it really comes down to how often they want to implement him. And I think Gribbles, right? You're not probably not going to see a whole lot of him. You might see him a little bit here and there, but it's not like he's going to play, you know, 50 some snaps in that game. Even if they're really, the only reason you would ever see that is if they're so devoid at receiver that they literally have no one else to play and they have to play him. So I don't oh, think he's going to make, I, I think it's something that you, it's a long play for the rest of this season and also next, next season because he's still got one more year in his contract, which explains the compensation in that deal. Uh, so it's not something that you necessarily need to worry about, but you also can't overlook it because then it can bite you come game time. So not, not something I would really worry about a ton. That's a look at the New England Patriots, uh, a formidable opponent, obviously, that we will be facing on Sunday. For more on Sunday's game, our Andrew Gribble had a chance to go one-on-one with Cleveland Browns, former offensive lineman, newly retired, and friend of the uh, University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network when he was here, John Greco. Have a listen. All right, John. Well, first off, just kind of congratulate you on your your NFL career, which came to an end after last season. Just uh, walk through what goes into that decision-making process and and how you're feeling right now. Well, you know, there was a lot of uh, thought put into it. I had to kind of sit down with, you know, first myself and and convince myself that I was uh, comfortable with kind of walking away and you know, talk to my family, and I, you know, I know my wife was uh, uh, fully behind me. You know, but she wants to see my safety more than anything else. So it was just the right time for me. You know, I, I had a lot of fun, played a long time, and you know, I didn't want to try to force anything and and regret anything trying to play a year too long. So I think I got at the right time and had some fun. I didn't win as many games as I had hoped, obviously, but uh, had a lot of fun throughout the journey. 
When you were going back to your college days, did you ever think you'd play in the NFL as long as you did? You know what? No, not really. I, I was I was more of like, uh, you know, just kind of take it one year at a time. And the old guys told me when I was a rookie that, you know, you blink and your rookie year seems like it lasts forever because you don't really get any time off. And then they, they said from that first time off that you get from your rookie year going into your second year that off season, they said it, it goes by like you blink and it goes by like that. And, and you'll be, you know, I, I, did, I did it to me. I was like, my God, I was like, I just finished my rookie year. Here I am in year four. And then it's like, now I'm in year seven. And, it's, and, then, I'm a, and then I'm an old wise man after about eight, eight nine. So, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It was a great, you know, learned a lot about the game and, and about people in general. Met a lot of great, great friends along the way. And, you know, it was a, it was a really good journey. And kind of looking back, I know it wasn't as many wins as you wanted in your Cleveland career, but that offensive line in 2014 with, with Joe, Joel, Alex, you at right guard, and Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle. I know it. you guys didn't get to play together the whole season because of Alex's injury, but but was that maybe the best unit you were you were a part of throughout your career? Um, yeah, easily. I, I think that was the best football that I played in my career, and that was the most success we had as a team or as an offense. Um, we had, we were having a lot of fun. We were, we had like many competitions every week. It was like, who's going to get more knockdowns? Who's going to get more pancakes? Who's going to be the bigger beast on the field? And it, it was a lot of fun, you know, winning games is fun. And, um, you know, unfortunately, like we said, I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't on the right end of it, you know, the majority of my career, but had a lot of fun, um, through, along the way. Kind of looking at this current Browns team, two and four after the bye week. Just from your experiences, what does a team come back like from a bye? And do you, is it almost always good, or can there be times when a team comes back not ready to play after after a bye week? You know, I think the bye was always good. It it, it is like, the, you know, whatever whatever wherever it falls on your season, it's a great reset and. If you things are going great for you as a team, you could say, okay, hey, listen, let's clear our heads and get back to business when we get back and, you know, continue on that success. And then th- those teams are worried about, you know, we we can't have any drop-off from what, what we had going on momentum. Then there's teams that are, you know, kind of – you know, battling, trying to get where they want to be, like the Browns are right now. So, you know, that you really get a time to reflect, let your body heal, you know, look at the game plan, look at what you've done well, look at you, what you need to improve on, and, uh, you know, bring a lot of energy in your next game. Yeah. And sometimes injuries force teams to make in- offensive line changes within a week, but is the bye week really the only time where you could make kind of some changes like the Browns might be making this week against New England? Yeah, I think it helps because you get a chance to have those extra practices. Those those extra practices uh, are, are like gold um, because you get to tweak things. You you you're not so concerned with oh we got to get to this next thing. We got to get to this next you know third down look. You really have a chance to say well let's experiment a little bit. Let's try a, a formation, a play that we uh, you know worked on in the summer and during you know preseason that was kind of you know, tucked away in the closet. Let's bring it back out and, and try some different combinations. So, you know, you do have a little bit more time with those extra practices. And, and uh, you know, at the same time, at the same time, you guys that are a little bit banged up, they get back to 100% hopefully. And, and uh, you, you know, you go to your next game with a full healthy team. And just from your experience, I think you, you had a couple games against New England throughout your career. What is different about preparing for a team like that and maybe preparing to go into an environment like the one that they have at Gillette Stadium? Well, you're going into an environment that's that's very tough to win in, and and they've uh, th- that nucleus, that core nucleus, that's that's all they know is winning. They've been together for a long time, 
So going in, you know, there, there's a lot, a lot stacked in front of you. But with that being said, you know, why can't why can't it be the Browns this weekend? You know, shock everyone. I, I know everyone in this building thinks they can win. Why not prove all the, all the doubters, you know, wrong? So I know that they're going in with a great plan and and uh, try to knock off a team that's you know, kind of ripe for for their first loss and, you know, get the Brown ship back on the right direction and, and uh, go put together a good plan and, and execute it. I don't want to bring up a bad memory here, but 2013, you guys, I mean, did just that up until the, the last minute. I mean, what do you remember from, from that experience and just kind of what, what it's like maybe punching that team in the mouth and getting a big lead in their stadium like that? Yeah, I think I think if you can if you can come out of the gates firing and and either get a big stop or a turnover, or a big special teams play or or a score on offense, and, and really just try to suck the air out of that stadium, that's going to help. You know, if you if you go in there and they make a big play, it's going to be you know an uphill uh, fight. So you know, I think if they go in there and and just kind of execute and go in, don't let the noise affect anything, and and just uh, play their game, I think they'll have a good shot. I know earlier today, players in, in the locker room talked about that they talk to players who play in New England and they hear about the experiences there. What have you heard from guys who have played for Belichick or played with Brady and, and what they say about that system there? Well, I think you know they're they're good for a reason. It's it's uh, you know almost like a military run organization. So I think you know winning comes with a lot of sacrifices. So you have. There's guys, not not to say that any other organization doesn't do the same thing, but I think just the amount of preparation and just the the intelligence and the coaching and, and the players being bought in and the system, it's it's a proven system. And, you know, they have guys that buy into it and play hard and, and uh, practice hard. And, and like I said, there's really no, um, you know, no let up or downtime. It's it's all work all the time. And like, it's, like I said, there's a reason why they've had so much success. We mentioned it with coming off the bye week, there's things that this team needs to work on. Uh, one of the focuses has been eliminating penalties. I mean, it just seems like an easy thing to say, but a tougher thing to do. What, what goes into a practice where you're ba- basically focused on eliminating those penalties? You know, I, I think obviously they're talking about it. It's on everyone's mind. If you can just go in and just the the accountability, the leaders step up and and just hold guys accountable. Maybe if if some a guy has to get called out, they have to get called out. Something has to be done for everyone to be at their best mentally. You're going to have those physical penalties, holdings, offsides, you know, things like that happen. You know, defensive holdings, pass interference, those those all happen because of aggressive play. And I, th- I know coaches can live with that. But, you know, what, what kills coaches is – or what drives coaches nuts is when you have the unforced errors, the the, the mental breakdowns. You know, you have offsides, lining up in the neutral zone. You know, hitting a quarterback late, and you know, I know it's a lot of gray area with that now, but you know, it's just kind of a thing that everybody has to, you know, just have in their mind a little bit more to try to play a clean game. And then, what's one thing that has you optimistic about this these final ten games about this Browns team right now? Well, I think they've shown flashes and shown, you know. Throughout all their, a lot of their games, the the ninety percent of the the games that they can be the team that everyone is expecting them to be, and that I know that they want to be. So they've shown flashes. I, I that's the thing that's so frustrating, and I know the players feel the same way. They they see it. They know they have the ability. They know they have all the right pieces of the puzzle. They just have to take the plan and put it into action. So I'm optimistic because wouldn't wouldn't would a better signature win 
winning on the road in Foxborough against an undefeated Patriots team to really start the trajectory of the season going in the right direction. And and really, you know, on the on the second half of the season, you you see some games that everyone knows that, that are winnable. So uh, a lot of division games, everything and everything in the division is still open, is still still ahead of them. So get a you know great road win this weekend, or try to get a great road win this weekend and get the ball rolling, get some momentum. We thank John for his time, and uh, he'll be making a few more appearances on the BPA and through other programming elements as well as we continue our march through the 2019 football season. Guys, let's get right into it. Keys to victory for the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. A winnable game. Every game is winnable. Every game is winnable, (laughs) but I'm telling you, the Cleveland Browns play the Patriots very well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The last yeah. time. Not the fact, last time. Not the last time. That but was a dark the, day at, at first. Andrew that State. was a dark season. Yeah. That was a dark two seasons. But, but there was the time in, in, in Angry, New England and what? Seven years ago, my first season doing the Browns Radio Network, we went into Foxborough. TJ Ward took out Gronk. The entire New England fan base wanted to come on the field and go after TJ Ward, pitchforks, you name it. They wanted him out. They wanted to take him out. We had. It was at least a 10-point, but I feel like it was 17. So I looked at this box, box score uh, yesterday. Okay. Demoralized. I, I tried to get it out of my head. Had a 12-point lead with a minute to play. Yeah. And the Patriots scored twice in 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, this is the one Buster in Buster Screen yes, this is... got abused by Tom Brady. Josh yeah. Gordon had a really good game this game. Yes, he did. Yeah. Oof. Against but Akeem Tlaib. He, the, he ran all the way down the field against The, the matchup Rio. before that, the Browns dominated the Patriots. Dominated Correct. in Cleveland. Eric genius. Yeah, that, yes. but the the last game, whew, that was Brady's well, revenge game, the first game off suspension. It was New England West. And, it was, and the <laughs> Gronk had two TDs, I believe, and then who's the uh, what the Bennett that plays tight Mar- end also? Yeah, Martellus Bennett. Martellus Bennett had a touchdown. I mean, it was just ooh, it was a Charlie Whitehurst appearance. Here's an anad- anecdote for the BPA listeners that if you follow me on Twitter in years not listed as 2019, you may have heard this story. Martellus Bennett, now retired, uh, is into the arts. He's a creative guy, right? Uh, he had a clothing line at one time, 2011-ish, uh, produced T-shirts. They were pretty cheap. I was in college. I went to go buy one of his T-shirts, 15 bucks, whatever. Not only did I pay for the T-shirt, but it never arrived. And when I complained that it never arrived... Before I knew it, their entire website went kaput, disappeared, gone. URL doesn't work. Twitter account still exists. Money I'm, gone. I'm blowing up the Twitter account. I'm blowing up Martell, Martellus Bennett's account. Hey, I know it's not $15, but I'm in college. Can I get my $15 back for the shirt that you never sent me? The person running the Twitter account said, DM me your email. I DM them my email. Nothing. Continue to hit up Martellus periodically whenever he would tweet something that would blow up and show up in my timeline. I would be like, hey, you owe me $15. Martellus Bennett has been blocked on Twitter now, and he still owes me fifteen dollars. And wow. that day, he went for a big one. There, there's the speculation. Yes, he did. There's speculation the Patriots may lo- may no longer owe his brother money anytime soon because he is not. He's fallen out of favor. Yes. in New England. Yes, but playing very little. Many think he might not be on the team after the trade deadline. We'll see. So you could be in the same boat. Yeah. With I got some random Browns trivia here though, real quick. Oh, the 2016 matchup with the Patriots. I blocked that out. Can you name Never the happens. player Charlie Whitehurst threw a touchdown to in the fourth quarter of that game? This was just three years ago. 
Was it one of the kids? It was, was huge team. Was it one of the kids that was drafted the year prior? This person was not drafted. Uh, see, I was I was thinking I was trying to think Terrence West and when he was there when he wasn't. Can we get uh, one hint? It's a tight end. Oh, this is gonna make me mad because I feel like it's somewhat on the tip of my tongue now. I do not have an answer for this. There's a lot of dead air that's gonna need cut out. <laughs> that's fine. I can do that. Uh, a tight end. All right. Can I use a lifeline? Can I get the? He's school? currently a member of the XFL's Seattle Dragons. Oh, uh, that's not. I don't have any favorites. idea. Who do you got? His name is Connor Hamlet. Nope, never would have gotten that. Wow. Never would have gotten caught, that. Caught the <laughs> touchdown in the fourth quarter of the 33-13 game against the Patriots. Is that the game where Charlie Whitehurst only survived a half? He he hurt his knee in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yep. It was Cody Kessler actually started very well in that game. Was five of eight, sixty-two yards, concussion. Yeah. Yeah. And it was downhill from there. Ooh. It, it escalated quickly. <laughs> was that, one of, the, was that <laughs> one of those games where you left the stadium and you were like just? It was the first. It, it was honestly. It was the first game of that season where the team was not competitive because they had been. Yeah, and that was the beginning yeah. of a downward spiral from there of some lopsided games. But it was it was coming off. I believe it was coming off that heartbreaker. In my no, it was the heart the Washington game. Well, it was coming off that game where you had to uh, lead in the third quarter. Yeah, the fumble and the yeah. F- yeah. I, there were a lot of things that went wrong, but I, I just remember driving into the stadium down to the stadium that day and there were patriot fans that had reserved whole parking lots <laughs> downtown with, within walking distance of the stadium like off of lakeside there were whole parking lots reserved and like new england had moved west and set up camp i, w- I was at it a, was insane i was at a popular cleveland restaurant the night before and there were some patriots fans that were I've never seen, and I'm not labeling. It's probably a very lovely fan base. Some of the <laughs> I root, don't know. It's some, Boston. I, some of the rudest interaction I've ever seen between a customer and a sure and a wait staff. Really? And I, but I did see a lot of Gronk jerseys, including people wearing Gronk jerseys at a place where if you're there in a jersey, you are out of place. If it was, it was an interesting. It was yeah. They just walked right in. It was if you ask, if you have to ask how much it is, <laughs> you can't afford. But that was it. Was also I think the Indians were were they weren't they playing the Red Sox at that time? Yes. Yeah, it was a twofer. Yeah. What a terrible weekend. <laughs> if you think about it, it, w- it was uh, it, it was pretty. Although we beat the Red, beat the Red Sox. Sox. Yeah, we oh, beat yeah. the Red Sox. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, but I mean, but I think we played Sunday night. The Browns yeah. played Sunday afternoon, and it was ugly. And everybody just went to the bar and got blackout and went to the Indians game. Oh, I believe that. That's I how you rescue how that a happened. bad Sunday. I believe that's what happened. That's in my head, and I'm going to go with it. Yep, I'm confident in that. All right, keys to victory. Gribble. If the Browns are going to win on Sunday, what must they do? I think it's a big ask to say no turnovers, but I'll simply say force more turnovers than you commit. Oh, the Patriots uh, obviously 18 interceptions to one touchdown pass they've allowed all year. They're forcing a lot of fumbles, too, and they're scoring a lot of points in their defense. I think the stat today was they'd be 3-3-1 and one if their offense had zero points this year. So they're, they're turning these turnovers into points and not even putting the ball in Brady's hands. Their turnover margin is plus 14. So you just need – I can't say don't turn the ball over because it's probably going to happen. But you got to force turnovers and, and make the most of them in this matchup. you just got to be on the plus side at the end of it. I don't care how many you, for, you commit, just – force more than you commit. Brady's only got Brady has 11 touchdowns in 7 games. 
Yeah, it's not a huge number well, so far, but they, they've had a lot of rushing touchdowns. They, yeah. and, and the and going back to that defense, that red zone defense of New England is playing as well. Forget about playing, getting to the twenty yard line. If you get to the red zone, you're almost. It's almost like going into a stone wall. I don't mean to be a, a downer here, but if you do think but about that be. and you think about this team here, that's a bad combo. This is a team that struggled in the red zone. Hopefully they can turn it around against a very good red zone defense team. I think my key um, is don't be predictable. And I think that's kind of an easy thing to say, but uh, let's face it. We, we know the strength of this offense right now is the man wearing number 24. And as much as you'd like to give him the ball 25, 30 times a game and try to control the clock, this defense also knows that. If we know that, they definitely know that. So you're going to have to get a little bit creative and try and find ways to, uh, to scheme up open receivers on short passes to limit their pass rush, to limit, to get Baker established and comfortable. And it sounds kind of like we're talking about the same things every week, but I think it's even more important a team that is so prone to or, or so advent, uh, opportunistic. You know, they, they just they create problems. They lead the league in interceptions. They, they create turnovers. And you don't want to be in a situation where you're fighting uphill because of your turnovers, which you found before, because this team's going to make you pay more than any other team. And I think the other thing you have to do this is even simpler, but just statistically speaking, score more than one offensive touchdown in the game. Hasn't because happened yet. No one else has done it to him. Yeah. Nope. Jets had to get all their points in the first game off defense and special teams. Uh, Giants could only score once on offense. The other was, one was the Bills on all field goals? Bills had one offensive touchdown and a field goal. So one offensive touchdown is the most they've surrendered in one game this year. It, 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 it's a task. A lot will be asked, but the Browns have had two weeks to get ready for the Patriots. So we shall see what happens. Kickoff 425 in Foxborough. Jim Donovan, Doug Deacon, Nathan Zagura on the call. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, any final thoughts or comments before we begin the second half of the season? I'm ready to cross a state off my list for this trip. I've never been to Rhode Island. Ah. It is a fine place, my friend. You ever been to Delaware? Never been. I've been through it. I've I've got weird patches of the country, but I've never been. The Northeast is a is a beautiful city. It's, it's a Providence tough. is good. You know, I, like it. I don't think I've been to Massachusetts, so I'm with you on that. Not Boston or no, I've never been to Boston. Been to Boston, the Cape. I've been to the Cape. I've been to all those places. Yeah. Haven't been to Rhode Island. Been to Delaware. I don't know if I've been to Rhode Island. Either way, I'll be able to say I have after this weekend. Hopefully, we'll come back with the Browns win. Yes, that's right. Let's hope indeed. For the two men that uh, I just mentioned, I'm Jason Gibbs. Make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you search for best podcast available and subscribe today. Rate us, rank us, tell us you love us, tell us you hate us. We appreciate all the feedback. As always, this has been the best podcast available.